Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, it's Tessa. Um, this is just a very quick note to say I am doing my show at the Soho Theatre this week, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the 16th, 17th and 18th of July. If you fancied coming down, I'd absolutely love to have you. I'm sorry the tickets are so expensive, um, but you can use the code witches for life um, the number four and the word L-Y-F. I didn't pick the code, but I also didn't say no when they gave it to me. So witches for life gives you a discount. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. I'd love to have you. Okay, bye. Here comes the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Nobody Panic. Hello, I'm Lisa and uh, Stevie uh, in absentia. Is that correct? <laughs> Why are you looking at me for approval in, in Latin? I I don't know. I lost confidence in it. Uh, <laughs> I liked it in, in absentia. Yes. And today's representative, representing Stevie, is my uh, great friend, uh, Caroline. <sighs> Excuse me. I think it's O'Donoghue. It is. Is it? Okay, great. How long have we been friends Well, I've for? never said it out loud before. Genuinely. Wow. Well, it's, it's got a G in it. And I didn't know if you had an, an, an Irish, like, a strong letter yeah. or something. Do you want to try it again? Uh, More confidently this My time. great friend, Caroline O'Donoghue. Fantastic. Thank you. Perfect. Author, poet. Uh, not femme, a poet. Categorically femme, not a poet. Femme fatale. <laughs> uh, podcaster. Um, yes. She makes Sentimental Garbage. Yes, I do. Uh, is the name of her fantastic podcast. And the dumb women or? Oh, no, School for Dumb Women is on hiatus, but will be coming back at some point. Oh, uh, lovely. Yes. And the School for Dumb Women. Um, and uh, she, I've roped her in. I've roped her in for some holiday cover. Yeah, very last minute as well. It's quite exciting. Yeah, well, no, you knew you were doing it. We were just yeah. keeping, but today, and then I just texted her a while ago and was like, do you want to do it? Should we do it now? Yeah. So the energy is high. <laughs> we're feeling good. What I wanted to, we're going to do as a topic, um, is something that so many people write in about, and I always think, I don't even know where to begin with this question. Um, it's about how to write a book, how to write a novel, how to, I do believe that everybody has got one inside them. Do you truly believe that? I truly believe it. Yeah. And it's, And what do you think you mean when you say that, when you believe that? Because it's like a, it's one of those sentences that we all say, but what does it actually mean? To me, it means... That if you have the right combination of um, snacks and drink at a party and people have mellowed out, they will tell you yeah. their idea for mm -hmm. their novel. Sure. Especially if you ask for it. But I think, <laughs> no, I've never, I don't, I think everybody has something they think about on the bus or yeah. on long journeys or on plane rides. Yeah. And they're either like a good app idea yeah. or a movie or a novel. And I think most people have got them all. 
Yeah, I think that's 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 pretty correct. My dad has a great one actually. Uh, which one? An app? A novel? Uh, a novel idea. A novel, yeah. Um, and since I've become a novelist in the last few years, he likes to tell me all of his novel ideas in detail. Of course. And he always ends it with like, you can have that now. That's, oh, that's yes. yours now. <laughs> and as if like the reason that novelists don't write more novels is because they have so few ideas. Yes, yes. <laughs> what are his good ideas? The good idea, the one that's, um, he's he has a lot of them, ones that sort of pass him by for, uh, for a season and then he gets bored of them. But the one he's really into is um a man who um, runs a school for the deaf um, right yes he runs a school for the deaf and the school is going out of business and uh, he because he can lip read he is able to like find a way into robbing a bank or something because he basically is able to witness people and learn secret codes and things and he robs a bank for and is he deaf no right. he just can lip read right okay and basically he uses a superpower in order to get it's like a Robin Hood story but with deaf people that sounds fantastic I think it's quite good actually tell him you should carry on with his good idea <laughs> well I, I said I was like <laughs> this is pure my dad now he's like um, oh you should um, you should research that and do that he's like no I'm too lazy and the deaf are very clicky <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably if he himself is not deaf yeah. hard to come in on the deaf community and be like I've made a I've made something for you. Yeah, I've you made know? a Robin Hood story about a non-deaf like, man who saves you all. Yeah, who saves you all. <laughs> a non-deaf man is yeah, is here to save the day. And everyone will be like, no, thank you. Yeah. No. Um yeah, well he should write it. I think so. But once again, quite a lazy man. Yes, I think that's it. It's, I just think like write a novel or write your novel, mm-hmm. as opposed to just a novel, is always on those lists of like Things to do, you know. Things to do. It's a very interesting one, isn't it? Because I think, um, I think it definitely when someone says they say I want to write a book, mm-hmm. they generally they mean implicitly novel because that's the thing. That's the kind of the format of book we all grow up loving and reading, don't yes. we? I don't think most people grow up dreaming of writing a memoir unless they've had a truly amazing life. Yes, yes. So I, th- I know. I think people want to write memoirs. Yeah, I think people love a memoir. They def- there's definitely a trend growth, but I think as in in terms of like when you're a kid and you're like, oh God, I've gotten a star on my my essay for school. Yeah. Maybe I'll be a J.K. Rowling. Maybe yes, I'll be a yes, yes, I think yes, that's, yes. that's the first place your brain goes. Isn't yes, it? yes, yes. Not all, no one age eight is like, I'm going to write a fantastic memoir. <laughs> yeah. Although maybe they should. <laughs> I actually think I probably did. Yeah, as soon I, as I, I said I it, I was like, I have said that. Yeah, no, as of high actually. Um, I think it's the same uh, instinct that makes you write a will as a child. Oh my god! Did you write wills? Of as a course, child? I wrote a will. Constantly revising C- my constantly wills. Constantly rewriting a will. Yeah. I don't know where that obsession came from. Yeah. I think we just loved. Why it's such a macabre thing to do, but everybody did it. I think it's the idea that you can write a document that then causes drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you just like people are gonna fight, and like I remember, just, like do, like it was like the same year I learned fractions was the same year I started chronically writing wills and like dividing up my fortune. Yes, um, yes. Between my siblings in vastly unequal ways, depending on how I feel felt about each sibling. Oh wow! Okay. Nice. I think for me it was about um, how you had these few possessions, and yes. it was like who will have them? Like yes. who will have my great treasure? Yes. And also the the fantasy of um, suddenly inheriting from yeah, the person I think, you've never met. Yeah, I think it was the discovery that wills existed. Yes. And the greatest narrative device of all time, oh, surely. Oh, it's fantastic. What yeah. an Im- I mean, it's so thrilling. It, oh, my God. What great, like, what a more exciting room can you think of than, like, everybody gathered in black, the whole uh, family, the, some, here he is to read the will. Drama I, ensues. Uh, I think the rule is, and we should probably get on to our adult thing. Sure. Oh, sorry. Yes. All right, all Stevie. Right. Long-term <laughs> fan of the pod. But I think the rule is, if you um, 
great to open your novel with an inheritance, lazy to end your novel with an inheritance. Who ends it with an inheritance? I've just read a book where that happens. Um, where it's like, the, oh, they're all having loads of trouble. What possibly will go, Will how will they get out of this one? And then it was like, and she inherited a large diamond. No. Yeah. Oh, that is shitty. It's a bit, it's it's not. So if your novel ends there, shitty. That's bad, shitty behavior. Bad novel. Um, but it doesn't have to be a novel. I think it's a book. It's a memoir. It's yeah. a great work of fiction. It's the history of the trains. <laughs> it's um, uh, sheep rearing and how to do it. It's, uh, it's whatever you think you'd like to put down on paper. Yeah. Because I truly do meet so many people. And particularly, this is my next door neighbor, Ed. Ed, write a goddamn book. Who... You know, says, "Oh, I'm. This is what I'm going to do this year. I'm finally going to write my novel." And then, yeah. round the year comes again, yeah. and it uh, makes people feel dreadful about themselves. I think. I think because a lot of people it. have gotten a little bit like, have you gotten a few thousand words or a few chapters into something, mm-hmm. and then they've run out of steam, and then they just feel dreadful about themselves, and they yes. see that as proof that they shouldn't do this, and they weren't like uh, handpicked by the gods to write a book. Yes. and I think that's a really damaging way to think about it, and something you can think your way out of as well. Because mm-hmm. like, if, it's very much if I've done it. Anyone can, you know? Yes. yes. Oh, shit. We should just say your credentials. Um, this is Caroline, who has written an actual book. It's physical. Yeah. I mean, I haven't exists. got one here, but I actually own two copies of the thing. And uh, it's called Promising Young Women. And I don't just say it's a toot smoke up our ass. It's fantastic. Oh. But also, it's there. I don't know it's anybody real. else who's and, yeah. written a whole story start to finish. And my, my second book is, it's weird with, um, with book writing as a career because... Uh, People are like, oh, you've written one book when actually these things take a long time. So it's like I've written my second novel, which will be out next year. That's Mm -hmm. finished now. But that I actually had to write twice because I basically deleted half of it. Um, on and then yeah on purpose okay um and then started again and i'm now i am halfway through a young adult series that will be out in 2021 oh shit so is your second novel it's unrelated to your ya series mm. okay so what's the second novel about so my first novel was promising young women and that was kind of a uh sort of a black comedy about workplace relations and sex and relationships and how it work interface with work and my second novel is which is next year that will be a like a murder mystery set in ireland um yeah it's a real hoot fan and so there's a third novel no now and then second novel comes out and then and then it will be the young adult novels perfect which are like a supernatural thriller that I spent I spent about 45 minutes explaining the plot not not just the plot but the system of magic that exists within the world Mm -hmm. to my boyfriend uh, the other day and he said oh it's Taro Jumanji and I was like yes (laughs) oh (laughs) that's exactly what it is it's Taro Jumanji great (laughs) I mean that is Hey, it, no one's ever said those two words together before. Oh, God. But, but that uh, is a Venn, an exact Venn diagram of my interests. <laughs> I once spent a whole year just telling people how much I wanted to watch the film Jumanji and Hook. And someone mm. was like, just watch it then. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> and they were like, what an achievable dream. Just sit down and watch it. <laughs> and then um, Both on Netflix, I believe. Yeah, it's so easy to, I mean, but yeah, it's they're so not, easy not to hard achieve. to come across. Not hard to find. Such an easy dream <laughs> for me. But I just could not stop thinking about it. Um, and then uh, came home once, came home on New Year's Day. Everyone was in the living room watching Hook. Oh. And I almost cried. Because I was like, I've been waiting to watch this film for so long. And I wanted the conditions to be right, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then we watched um, Jumanji. Mwah. And I've seen recently the new Jumanji. I was very cross about it at the really? time. When they first said they were going to do it, I was like, no. Don't touch it. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Get it hands off here. I actually think it's fantastic. Really? Isn't, isn't The Rock in that? Yes. Well, he He's elevates v- everything he touches. 
He what does it? He elevates everything. Yes, he genuinely yeah. is wonderful. It is a really beautiful, it's not a remake in any way. It just exists within the same world-ish, yeah. but it's just a really beautiful, it's really fun. Because for me, the appeal of Jumanji originally was um, just how that game looked and how it was set designed and how... The, bo- it, the board it, opening the, up. The board, yeah, mm. and the, how heavy it was. The drums. And the, and the, dr- the, the thing in the middle and the counters, yeah. which were these heavy things. And like... Every time you so opened heavy. a board game, you wanted it to feel like that, and it never yes, did. Yes, it always felt so yes, flimsy. You, mm, yeah, yeah. You you spent your childhood just like wardrobes didn't open at the back. I know. Board games didn't happen. You touched things. You couldn't levitate anything with your mind, like Matilda. Ugh. And boy, did I give that a go. But you couldn't do any of the stuff that it was sort of promised you'd be able to do. Mm. <sighs> anyway. Oh, yes. Our adult, adult thing. thing. Do you want to go first? What's your adult thing? Well, do you know what? Um, so I have been auditioning for this role for a long time now because basically yes. every couple of weeks I send you a long voice note of what my adult thing is. I really enjoy them. Uh, thank you. You rarely respond. Yes. Well, that's the way of things. <laughs> but uh, that, apparently that doesn't discourage me at all because no, I, no. I'm sometimes and it walking around conference centers sending you three minute long uh, I love adult them. things. But so this one happened um, actually a few weeks ago. Yes. So it's a little bit old. Um, Please, but I at the moment it happened, I was like, I cannot wait to tell Tessa. <laughs> I'm so excited. Right, so I'm going to keep it some of the details of the story vague because I don't want um, some of the main players to be identified. Um, ooh, ooh, she's gossiping. Basically, I was in a situation recently where I was um, hosting like an event, like a like a, a, a summit of of writers. And uh, there were several people on the panel, many of whom I had worked with before or knew socially or whatever. And there was um, one person who was much older than me, mm-hmm. uh, much more respected than I am, a real, um, a real titan. Titan. A real titan. Also a man, you know, so that's a dynamic. Um, and I was a little bit nervous going into it because like... Um, this person I don't I don't know him and like if you're doing these things and I do a lot of events and a lot of seminar type things and a lot of workshops um, and if there's there's always that kind of question mark in your brain it's like oh I don't really know what kind of energy that person's going to bring mm-hmm. and how like you know you've done these things before how one person's weird energy can kind of throw off the whole room mm-hmm. um, so I um, went up to him beforehand and I gave him I was showing him my notes and I was like okay I just want to let you know what I'll be talking about what I'll be asking you um you know, all, all this kind of stuff just to see where his gauge was. And he, uh, I can only describe it as sort of th- throwing his toys at the pram and sort of being like, I, just, I don't even know why I'm here. He basically kind of said he didn't really have any respect for the event that we were doing, what we were talking about. He was like, basically knew that he was kind of the most, had the most pulling power in the room mm-hmm. in terms of the names that were involved. And I was getting, I was, I could feel the anxiety like rising in my chest. And I was like, fuck, this is going to like be, I'm going to be worrying about this person for the whole thing. And whether I'm, I'm going to have to pander to him and he's obviously very annoyed or he's whatever, not into this. And it, I didn't know what to do, but I just, I don't know what came over me, Tessa. I'm sorry, this is a real saga now. I'm so involved. I'm so, um, I just, this, sorry, this is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> oh my God. I folded my notepaper. And I placed it on the desk in front of me and put my hands over it. And I just said, you know, if you have complete contempt for this, I'm more than happy for you to sit it out. <laughs> and what did he say? 
say? He said, oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry. I just, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just, he basically backtracked completely. And then he was an angel for the rest of the time and was a beautiful, beautifully behaved person. And it was just, it was one of the biggest life lessons I've learned in my, in the last many years of like, oh, you just have to like set boundaries for people and they will stick to those boundaries. Yeah. And I've never, I've never like had a moment in my life where I've been like, all right, like Goliath, I will be David. Wow. And it was such a small moment, but I, I've been like congratulating myself for like two weeks. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> that's a really wonderful adult thing. Thank you. It that's felt like so... a true adult thing. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks. What's your thing? Oh, I'm, ro- I'm, re- I'm, I'm reeling. I felt like I was definitely um, following a small Tessa voice in my head. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, Thank you. Yeah. It it does take practice, doesn't it? And to be like ready on the to not to be like not to be like oh you do need my voice in your head to do it, but like yeah. you do need something there that's like your instinct is be like okay you you be in charge. Do you want to do the you do yeah. it? You know yeah, like yeah. I'll or like your instinct to be like oh we can just talk to the manager and maybe she can maybe perhaps get you an extra glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> or what something. can we do to make you happy? You know, yeah, it's exactly. such a you got to really overcome that initial instinct, which is to like you back down. Yeah. And you make this space for the other person okay. And you got to really swallow that and be like, no, actually, we're doing things my way. Yeah. But you're like the most amazing person that I've ever known. Oh. Like, I was like, wow. That's because I am always um, one step away from getting involved in a fight. Really? Yeah. Like if like any. Anybody's having a fight a near proper, me. Proper like T bird. I'm like, yeah, I'm like cruising for a bruising. I'm just like, I'm, I'm here. I'm rolling. I'm rolling. Just, I would just be circling the car park looking for fights yeah, with to your take part. Blade, just flicking it out. Yeah, and back and again, I want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. Anytime anyone comes up to me, I'm like, yes, some confrontation. Wow. But like, you were in a workplace scenario which you have given the respect to the other person. Yeah. Very hard then to, you know, assert your authority. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, what's your thing? Mine is, um, somebody told me about this last week, and I'm so sorry, whoever you were, well done. I can't remember who it was. That if you, I recently, I just got the train um, to Macclesfield and from Euston Mm -hmm. last week, and it was very expensive. And I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. Trains. Trains. I was like, this is outrageously expensive. Off peak or advanced, whatever the most expensive one. It's my own fault. Anyway, but I had to get there. And so what I did was something called um, jumping or ticket cutting. Um, yes. Split fairing. Split fairing. Yes, I've done this once. Go yes. for it. Yeah, it was magical. It was the most thrilling moment of my life. So I stood. <laughs> they basically break your journey into many separate journeys, but you never leave your seat. Yeah. So I just, I'm stood at the ticket machine in Euston Station and I put in. Um, London to Stoke-on-Trent which is the yeah. first stop in it and I bought that ticket and then it said get a ticket from another station so yeah. then I put in Stoke-on-Trent to Macclesfield and I bought that ticket yeah. um, and it <gasps> and was what were your savings? Oh my god um, nearly £100 <gasps> yeah oh call me Eleanor Ferrante because you're my brilliant friend <laughs> who's Eleanor Ferrante? <laughs> she wrote a book called My Brilliant Friend oh <laughs> Oh, it's good stuff. It's good, it's good stuff. Anyway, I'm doing I was, literary references. It was, so, uh, and I was just beside myself. Yeah. So if you ever uh, find yourself in the train station thinking, I can't afford this train fare, see if you can do that. Oh. Stood there in the train station. Did you feel like a proper like con artist? I just felt fantastic. Did you feel like um, uh, Dimitri in the film Anastasia? When he does what bit? Is he a con artist? Yeah, he's like, you know, always oh. like forging papers to get on the wrong train and it has to be Dimitri, in red ink when it's blue ink. One of my first great loves. Oh, 
fantastic. So Same. in love with him, clearly. I mean, I can see him in my mind. He's got these rolled up shirt sleeves that the would curtains. influence my uh. influence my sartorial choice in men for many years. Mm. And um, but I didn't know he was a con artist. I've obviously forgotten. I've obviously forgotten his job. Yeah, that's job. <sighs> Dimitri. Anyway. <laughs> On the subject of my brilliant friend, books, Dimitri, the works of fiction, let us segue seamlessly into literature. I decided I could write a book many years ago when I read a book called The Bees, which oh, I think yes. in retrospect might be better than I give it credit for or not. I mean, I did enjoy I, it. I read um, a few free samples of that book yeah. on Pool at the time and uh, I thought it was shite. Imagine... It's the film, the, it's The Hunger Games, but mm. with bees. Yes. So, like, <laughs> a lot of very detailed, like, biological a, information about it's a, bees. It's a coming of age story of a bee. Yeah. <laughs> it's what but, it is. But it's very like, oh, I, uh, I'm only supposed to be this one thing according to bee society, but I dream of being this other I, kind of bee. I make, wanna, I want to It's do basically it. ants slash a bug's life, isn't it? It's like yeah, but the more intense. Of the hive and, and some of it stuff. is very interesting. I learned a lot about bees. Oh sure, because Great I was like, oh bees. wow, that's a really. In- I didn't know the bees did that, but then sometimes it would be there would be some spiders and they'd get involved, and the spiders could see into the future, and I'd be like, okay, so oh, I don't right. know how much of this is mm. is nature accurate nature. Yeah. Anyway, I threw the bees into the pool. I read sure. it on holiday. I was so cross when I finished it. It ended with getting a diamond as an inheritance. <laughs> And, and the bee got out of there and I threw the book into the pool and I just thought, forget it, forget it. I'm going to write my own. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I never have. I just sure. think about it on the bus sometimes. Um, so for everybody who has ever read a crap book and thought, I can do better, or anybody who has a story inside them or anybody who wants yeah. to write about the history of the trains or whatever, or a bee story, whatever you've got inside you, Caroline. Yes. Over to you. Over to you. Um, I, th- I think what's actually really interesting about what you just said is that... Um, the importance of bad literature in your decision to write a book. Because I think many people, when you ask people their inspiration for what, why they wrote something, they'll talk about, like, the greats. They'll talk about, like, you know, Toni Morrison or mm-hmm. Scott Fitzgerald or all these people they read who were like, oh, my God, the art is amazing. I wish to live in service of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think bad books have a huge part in... Uh, in being a creative because it's like oh that moment of like well if this person can get a deal from a publisher yes. then why why not me it's, it's that, it, that I think that should be the central to any um, I'm about to go write a book thing is why not me you know why not me yeah, yeah. so my my journey into into book writing was very um I was uh, working at the pool for a while uh, and this thing happened, which actually happens more frequently than you would think, which is a editor uh, DM me on Twitter saying, I'm interested in um, uh, fiction from new writers. What do you got? Kind of thing. Are you interested? Do you want to come in for a meeting? Yeah. And when that happened, I was like, I have been selected by, I've been chosen by the gods. I am the bee. (laughs) I am the bee. (laughs) I am Katniss Everdeen. I volunteer into the arena I go. It's very that moment. And I think many people characterize um, getting into that book world by like, oh, you just need that in and that's the thing. Mm. But actually, like, you'd be surprised. There are hundreds of editors sending DMs to similar people all the time, mm-hmm. just casting out lines to see, do you know what, she seems yeah. interesting or whatever. It's no guarantee that they'll buy a book off you. Mm-hmm. No guarantee that anything will happen, really. But what it did for me was it gave me that sort of weird shot in the arm because I was always one of those people who was like, oh, maybe someday when I'm in my late 30s, 40s, when my children have left home, yes, when, yes, when, yes. when, 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 I'll have this like opening of time that will just happen or I'll be on like, I always thought in my head, oh, maybe someday I'll be on maternity leave yes, and I'll write a book. Yes, like yeah. the most condescending thing to authors ever or to mothers ever. Um, mothers and authors. Mothers and authors and both. Um, but... 
yeah, so I kind of, I had this moment where I was like, and, and coincidentally, um, for health reasons, I wasn't drinking at the time. And I was also 25. And like, when you've stopped drinking and you're 25, a huge part of your social capital, c- calendar just like disappears. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm not, I'm, I'm this young. I'm not planning a wedding. I don't have any kids. Um, I'm my, like, I can afford to get up really early in the morning because I'm going to bed quite early anyway because I'm not out. From the boring teetotal <laughs> loser. Boring teetotal. Yeah, because about six months, yeah, I stopped drinking. I was like, it has mo- this really crystallizing moment where I was like, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Um, and uh, then it just became this thing of like just writing, getting up before work every morning and uh, and bashing out 800, 1,000 words and just going on like that until I had a book and then I sold it and I think I tell people this story and that's always the moment where their face starts to crumple because they think like the bit about getting up early in the morning the bit about not drinking the bit about this and um for which I have like two pieces of advice which is number one like it's no different to like going to the gym or going to a run or whatever people think that it's like this magnificently difficult thing um, but actually, once you get into the routine of it, it just becomes part of the thing that you do. You know, I could and I could never go to the gym every morning, but enough people do it yeah. that it's like it's perfectly eminently possible. It's no different to going to the gym. And the second thing is, is that I realized about halfway into this that I was actually the happiest I'd ever been in my life. Like I had no social life. I was only seeing my boyfriend and my colleagues and occasionally I'd grab someone for coffee. Um, and I was so unbelievably satisfied because I felt like I was going into work every single morning and I was already like culturally and like personally in the black. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It was mm. like any work I do on top of it today is just extra. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I've already serviced something that I think is really important. And I was, I honestly, I think I've never been a better colleague. I've never been a better employee than during that like kind of year of my life. Because like, people always characterize the writing of a book as being this painful experience. And it was actually, first of all, if you want to do it, unless you really enjoy doing it, like, don't. Like, just fucking don't. Like, I think that's the first question you should really ask yourself. If you, like, either someone says to you you should write a book or maybe you think you should write a book. is like, do you really like writing a lot by yourself? Because it's a, it's, a it's a lonely job and you have to really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think people imbibe that sort of um, writer ennui thing of like, you know, dirty pajama person with like, you know, just sort of hating their work and just always drinking and always finding a way out of it. And I mm-hmm. think that class of person exists. But I also think they've unfairly characterized writing as like a bad thing to do. And it's like really fun and really great. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it has got a terrible rap. Yeah. And that it's supposed to like, and also, so for example, okay, let me give you an example. So when the book that, uh, talking about the the great literature that inspires us, right? The book I made the hugest effect in me as a, as a young person was uh, Toni Morrison. I studied Toni Morrison, uh, when I studied English for in university and I thought like oh my god this this writing has broken open my world Toni Morrison is widely known as one of the greatest living novelists of the 20th 20th and 21st century so she wrote um, a lot of books but famously she wrote Beloved and uh, Song of Solomon and what 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 Toni Morrison did was she uh, gave a language to like um, racism and slavery and stuff that was surrounded in magic. So like, for example, Beloved is about a woman who like murders her baby, but then that baby comes back as a ghost, as a grown woman and lives in her house and haunts the house. Wow. And it's like, it's this thing where it's like, this is kind of a tangent, but like she, because slavery is such a terrible mind 
breaking thing to even think about a person owning another person. She creates this whole language and magicalness around it that was like gave people a space to talk about the hideousness of it because by making it literally magic. And um, I, I, when I read that book, I was like, that's the kind of books I want to write. Mm-hmm. And I think I think people have moments with that with lots of great, great writers who are on untouchable plinths so high far in the sky mm-hmm. that um, that gets them very, very discouraged. And I think what you have to remember then is that like, it, it is not your responsibility to recreate the books that you love. Yes. There is like, there is a specific voice that is just yours that you are co- you are cosmically appointed to write the kind of book that you're supposed to write. And for me, that tends to be uh, young women having problems. <laughs> um, there are jokes. There are issues. Sometimes there's a little bit of magic in there. Um, and, you know, and people bring them on holidays. And I like that. And I'm never going to be the Toni Morrison. But the thing is, is that like... Yes. You have to let yourself you let yourself not be too guided by your own influences, whether that means writing exactly like them or writing a book that you think is important, like important in inverted commas, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, like I always um, make the kind of, I think, sorry, I'm, I'm talking a lot. I'm, I'm no, please, um, don't ever apologize for talking. Um, you know Bake Off? <laughs> the great British? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Um do you know how like when they set them a challenge mm-hmm. at the beginning and it's like, so they go around for their initial challenge and they go like, oh, George, what are you up to? And he's like, well, I'm, um, you know, uh, my grandmother had a raspberry patch when I was growing up. So I've used raspberry jam and there's some ginger in here because, um, you know, my my uh, where I'm from grows the best ginger in the world. And they tell you all these bits and their influences and their history. And, they, and that's going to be their batter and that's going to be their flavoring and that's their big mix. That's the influences they're drawing from. Okay. And then like Paul Hollywood is always like, all right, well, make it work or whatever. Yeah. Basically, it's like, okay, like great, great stuff and then make it work. And so that's what influences are. That's like getting all that cake batter together and all that bits and pieces into the big bowl of the stuff. Okay. But then afterwards, you got to get that batter and just like put it into sponge tins. <laughs> Make sure it bakes all the way through. Yes. And that for me, in this extended metaphor, is just story maths. Okay. The sort of, the things have to make, you can't just like, you know, decide to yourself that you really want to be be the next Toni Morrison and then just sort of sloppily try a few chapters of trying to write like Toni Morrison and then it all falls apart like wet cake. Yes, You okay. have to find exactly what how it is that you write. Mm-hmm. And have an, you can't just like, you have to have like a whole arc as in like a beginning, a middle and end, a protagonist, a friend, an ally, a person who's an enemy. Like you have to like have very structured acts so the cake actually makes sense. Yes. I okay. think people over, over exaggerate their influences and what they feel like. Oh, I want to write a book about, um, you know, the Irish diaspora and what it means to be a Catholic kind of thing. It's like, that's not actually a story idea. That's just an influence. That's just something in the cake batter. You need to get in the tins. Oh, yes. making sense. I feel like you're very confused. No, no, sorry. This is my face where I'm just grasping a good idea and yeah. I'm getting the visuals and I'm on board. Yeah. So you're saying like, it's not enough just to be like, um, I want to write 
a sort of fantasy war epic, yeah. um, but with dogs. Like, yeah. Like, you're like, fun, but if you don't go and find the cake chin and be like, yeah. but who is the dog? Who is the hero? Who's exactly. the bad guy? What's yeah. the story? Why are they, who are they fighting? Yes. What do you mean they're, they're dogs? <laughs> yeah. How well, does, and also, how why does are, war work in Why this are they world? dogs and not cats? Why, is why the, this, yeah, yeah. What does that bring to the story? Where is this set? What are the rules? Yeah. Like, what is the... What does everyone do for money in the world? Like, who builds the armor? Que- important yeah. question. Like, these, these are all great questions. Great. Very questions. excited about the dog I'm book. Me too. <laughs> I'm like, yes, please. Um, and uh, if you don't do that part of the, and do you think that making the batter, do you think we that find absorbs it absorbs so, people too much? I think. Yeah. Do you think yeah. we find it so hard to go and get your cake tin because it's sort of so exciting to keep looking at your batter? Yes. Because the batter remains a full of all these fantastic brilliant ideas and mm. cool things and maybe these tiny few set pieces that you've seen in your mind or bits yeah. that you can imagine you know this big dog battle or whatever yeah and then that bit is all exciting to think about but actually going to get the cake tin is hard work now yeah and now also once you have put it in that cake tin you have to accept what the cake might look like when it comes out of the oven completely and also the cake tin is also standing for as you can tell I thought about this a lot in oh, my great. own head but I've never spoken about it out I'm loud thrilled. before so yep. now that I'm talking about it I'm like this is mental <laughs> okay yeah um, I think as well because people are so convinced that their idea has to be original yeah. That they think that um the that tins, they don't need a tin. Oh They'll yeah. They'll just um line up a bit of parchment and scrunch that up and pour the cake batter into that and mm-hmm. make these weird spider shapes kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like actually, um formula stories have formulas for reasons. Yeah. And there's a reason why, like sometimes, you know, when you're watching a film and you started started to get like uncomfortable or itchy and you're just like kinda like, well, don't you it's not really you're not really into it, it's because someone has missed a beat on a very on the plot line, right? Yeah. It's like they've missed a step on the stairs and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, what? You know? Yeah. Like there's a, we're programmed to, you know, we've been, you're an anthropologist, like we've been telling yeah. to the stories forever and they're programmed to hit certain beats and some people think, I think, that like, oh no, I'm going to like, do a first person epic where they never leave their room yeah. <laughs> kind of thing and they'll just live in their memories and they're like, you want to be the best writer in the world like, yes. before you even hit that. Yeah, you. Yeah, I. Two things on that. That like one is, and I think we'll get onto story maths. I think that's such a fascinating idea, and I want to hear your your maths lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I had a great quote that was, um, "Learning your craft won't take away from your genius." Yes. So like, I think it's so whatever it is that you decide to do, building a wall, writing a film, writing a book, creating anything, it's so easy to be like, forget it. I don't need the rule book. I'm better than that. I'm mm. making something new. I'm yeah. making art. Like, as well, it's the way that we talk about artists as well. Mm-hmm. It's like the, when we watch like an E! True Hollywood story about someone or whatever, people still watch those. Who? You know, E! True Hollywood stories where they were like hour long epics about like, and here's how Sandra Bullock ripped up the rule book for oh, actresses nice. everywhere. Yeah, for it's sure. all about like that language of ripping up rule books is something we love hearing about. We love it. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's like crack. And we all, we, we all think that it's everyone's job to rip up the rule book every it's not. time. Sometimes it's your job to follow the rules. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, it's that, that thing about Picasso, about how he had his like years as being a very conventionally talented artist mm-hmm. and write, drawing people in perfect proportion and all that and then he did his mental stuff mm-hmm. but I think people use stories like Picasso as being like oh like they use it as a defense of ripping up the rule book and not as a defense of learning all the rules first yeah you know? yeah you're absolutely right when we look at the great masters and we're like look what all these people these crazy things that people did yeah. without doubt 
every one of those people, even if you didn't, and we have got to see some of Picasso's early sketches when he's like 11 and it's like the most beautiful thing anyone's yeah. ever drawn. But like, sometimes we don't get to get to see the, the back catalogue, but 100% what's in the back catalogue is like painstakingly learning. Yeah, the anatomical and drawings of birds. Getting it know? completely right. So when you want to fuck about, you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, and also you're in a position to defend your own fucking about. Yes. You know? Yeah, it's like free jazz or whatever. Yeah. But like... If you if you've never played an instrument, you're like that's what they're just fucking about. I'll, get, I'll <laughs> give that a go. But everyone's gonna be like, get off the stage! Like yeah. nobody wants this. You do have to know how to play the flute before you can just like toot toot about on jazz yeah. flute. You know, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's sorry, I feel like I'm jumping the gun hugely. And don't like, jump the gun. Yeah. There's no gun. There is no gun. The gun is mine. You're, the gun's yours to jump as you wish. <laughs> Where do you think you jump to? I don't know. I feel like I'm already talking about like, oh, your ideas about stories are wrong or whatever. No, no, no. I think you're in completely the right place. Um, so story maths. Tell us what it is that you you know now on the other side from where you began. Or what are your story? What's your story math? Yeah. What are you passing on to the young page? Young page. Um, Please, master. What story <laughs> maths is there to learn? Well, I think the simplest. When I started. Um, I was familiar because I studied English at university of something called the hero's journey, mm-hmm. which I think you're probably familiar with too. But if only from your tarot aren't. work, <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I do know the hero's journey. <laughs> um, so for people who don't know, the hero's journey is this um, its kind of theory that all stories, whether it's um, the Bible or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or Star Wars or whatever, they all follow the same pattern, um, which you can draw it. Like if you look up on Google images, there's a circle uh, at the top of the circle, it's like um, our hero leaves home and then it's like our, his next thing is like he meets a wise man mm-hmm. and his next thing is, um, you know, a first conflict. And then after the first conflict becomes the first ally and then after the first ally becomes the big conflict. And then it's like this whole thing. Um, and I'm not describing it perfectly. Um, but it's broken up into 12 segments and it's very like, these are the beats that you hit in a traditional story. It's like, you know, um, uh, Harry Potter meeting Hagrid, the you're a wizard Harry thing. That's what's called the CTA or the call to adventure. Call to adventure. Yeah. The CTA. The CTA. Write it down, everyone. Yeah. Okay. No, honestly, Google this. It's um, a very, there's lots of interesting talks about it all over the internet. But when I, so I, I was familiar with this. And so when I had my, um, writing my first book, I just got a big sketch pad and I drew a huge circle in Sharpie and I, in, and I did all the 12 segments and, um, I wrote all the, what the segments were, I called adventure, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Meeting, called adventure, meeting the elder, all this, um, and I wrote them all in in pencil, and then in pen I put my story beat next to it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, um, my character Jane, you know, uh, Jane gets a promotion. That's a call to adventure or something, and I would write that in. And then so I, that's a why you need to sort of plan your novel in advance, or it's always better to plan your novel in advance, because you're if you can plot those things in this very structured way, what that structure then allows you to do is to have fun. In getting there, yeah. If you're not worrying about like, oh, when the next character is going to come in, or when the next plot point is going to fall, if you right. know when that's coming, mm-hmm. you can just have spend this lovely time being like, okay, the ca- this character's job is to like make her feel, make her doubt her self esteem, or make her doubt her self worth. But how does that manifest? And how? What are the interesting ways we can show that? And what 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 do and don't these women share with each other? Mm-hmm. So what you what you start with is a very formulaic thing. Is like this character makes my character doubt herself. But once you drill down into the why, it gets so much like richer, and you can do anything with that. You know? Yeah. I think that's why structure. 
it allows for so much creativity, you know? Mm. I think um, something that I think puts people off um, when you read, when you hear the sort of story maps is it's always, you know, young boy leaves the village to fight the dragon. Yeah. And it's like, why does he leave? Firstly, so the first part is always like understanding that you, char- you have to believe the choices yeah. that your character has made because as soon that's what that you make that face watching any movie as soon as you're like they wouldn't do that like that's mm. abs- why as soon as you start doubting the world the choices they've made then everything is lost yeah. there's no point watching this thing anymore you're like okay the third youngest brother he needs to win the hand of the princess so he has to kill the dragon we're like mm-hmm. we understand it we believe it off he goes mm. and that's always how they teach it in these you know the call to adventure the thing and i think if you're right if you want to write a story that's just that's so much more simpler than that and is not a fighting yeah. dragon epic it's so hard to take those big what feel like epic rules meeting yeah. the elder the um the knight of the dark knight of the dark knight of the soul yes yes the, the, it feels very hard to put if you write quite a, you've written quite a fun little sort of adventure romp or that's the sort of story you want to tell mm. it's hard to take the language of this sprawling epic and translate it very true onto you know the rom-com or whatever even though they are the same rules Mm. um and so i think it does a bit of a disservice if you're as soon as you start reading reading you know the call to adventure which i do think is very cool um you know the dark knight of the soul all of this sort of stuff you're like oh that doesn't apply to me because i'm writing something quite fun and lighthearted but it does it, it applies does. to everybody it has to apply yeah them the rules them is the rules them the rules like I saw I remember seeing this fantastic play once um, called The Animal and Children Took to the Streets and it was um, all sort of puppetry and theatre and music and it was so brilliant and then um, right at the end the, there's sort of a narrator voice and I don't think anyone's speaking in it and there's all sort of magic bits and it's really cute anyway <laughs> right at the end the hero who we've been following can go one path and like go back and get go back and get the girl or go off and just go to go leave the town and you know start his life afresh and uh the narrator's like where should he go and everyone's like go get the girl go back for her like she said she loved you everyone's like so invested and then they're like of course not that's a happy ending and that's not what life is really like and then he leaves and he goes the yeah it goes to nothing and even though you're like yeah you're right that is what life is like um we don't always get a happy ending. We don't always get the girl. Yeah. You leave being like furious. Everyone, totally, you everyone, are furious. Everyone yeah. left that theater being like, I can't I can't speak. I'm sorry, I'm so angry. Like yeah, it was yeah. only an hour long and it has stuck with me for 10 years, how long since I've seen it. And I- Because you're so furious. Furious that yeah. you didn't go back because there is a reason that we, wa- we want stories. There is a reason that characters make big choices and aren't real people because we- we don't want life is difficult and confusing and chaotic and doesn't follow the rules and we yeah. love the rules. We want the happy ending. Yeah. Like the end of Dodgeball. <laughs> oh my film, gosh. Dodgeball. This is taking a turn. Sorry. From like Sorry. off theatre to Dodgeball. <laughs> the film Dodgeball <laughs> love it. also ends with the baddies with Ben Stiller's film yes. uh, team. Uh, the original ending that Ben Stiller wrote his team just win the at the finals. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the baddies just win and the average Joe's team don't get the money and they go home and that's the end of the film. Yeah. It ends with the penalty shootout and they, they win. And that's how he originally wrote it. And it went to like test audiences and everything. And everyone yeah. was like, no, obviously no. no. And like, no matter how funny it is to be like, oh, ha ha. <laughs> nope. Like it doesn't matter. Like you yeah. can't pull the rug away from an audience or a reader or anything yeah. at that point. Because we're like, we're too invested. Like we want our, we're here for the happy ending or any sort of, conclusion just to be like that's what yeah. it's not that's what it's like in the real world the baddies would have won isn't enough we like yeah. we want 
catharsis and we want the story to come to a conclusion. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily making sure that the good guy wins every time. No, it doesn't always have to be that. I just think it's... um, you have to make it so that the audience doesn't feel looted. Yes. You know? We don't want to be looted because we've bought into this. We've read your book for all this time. Yeah, exactly. It's why, like, you saying Even if it's, like, a bittersweet ending, I think it's fine. Any end, like, you know, she just gets a... You know, it's it's sort of equivalent of, like, and then it was all a dream. We're like, well, why did we read it then? Yeah. Like, I think, to to stay in the realm of, like, sports movies... Please. One of my favourite ones is, do you know Whip It? with Oh, my God, yes. (gasps) And so in the end of that, she doesn't... Or the team don't win... Like mm. the 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 roller derby team don't win, and the opposing team, who is fronted by Juliette Lewis, yes, is very very scary Ju- Juliette Lewis, who's been kind of bullying her, and it's like really time. old, right? Yeah, she's like in, in her forties, and she keeps being like, "You're too young." And You're like, too, yeah, and she kind of says to her, "She was like, like, how old are you?" She's like, "I'm 18." She's like, "I'm I'm 39 years old." Do you know how old I was before I found out I was really good at something? 37 mm. and it's like and there's kind of a thing even though she's a villain you're like you that you've given so yeah. much shades to that character you're like oh it's actually okay that she's won because our the other girl has her whole life, life to be ahead, the winner yeah. yeah so I think I don't think it's about making someone the winner every time or whatever mm-hmm. but it's like it's just the, sat- the meat of that is so satisfying because yes. we love those characters so much you yeah know? like um, the end of Bring It On for example of course the, clo- yeah. the Clovers win and not the Tauros the, so we've the been, Clovers should win the Clovers should win they tried way harder they made a better routine yeah. they worked much harder for this of course it should be the Clovers and even though we're following the story of the Tauros and Kirsten Dunst you know, we all, we and the team look to her when it says that they got second place. And she goes, second place, pretty incredible. Like, yeah. And you're yeah. like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And really the the win, the miniature win was the um, was the realization that like second place at nationals yeah. is still pretty incredible. And that friendship was the true winner of the day. It's the friends we made along yeah. the way, you it, know? So it doesn't have to be like, oh, everything has to go well for our hero. It's just yeah. like there has to be some kind of. We the, we don't have to yeah whatever the opposite of feeling looted is yeah satisfied we have to be like good story yeah. you know hmm. that came to a good conclusion. Um, I uh, had a podcast recently with Sarah Manning who repeated something that Marion Key said to her and it may actually changed uh, the ending of my second book where she said uh, to give people a love story and not a happy ending is fucking rude. <laughs> to give people a love story and not a happy ending is fucking rude. That's really nice. I know. I, and then I just, yeah, I rewrote the ending because I was like, you know what? You're dead right. Yeah. You're dead right. We've we invested. We've, yeah. we've come all this way. What what other sort of barriers do you think people have when they want to write a book so badly, but they don't, they can't seem to get it off the ground? I think it's the thing that you brought up right at the beginning, which is that like you write a few pages, you, you have yeah. a one rainy Wednesday afternoon and you think, bloody crack through that novel I guess yeah. that'll be done by tea time make a, <laughs> make a flan and write a novel I yeah. suppose and they write a bit and then they read it back and it's not they're f- faced with having to transition from it being you know an yeah. idea to suddenly it's on the page and it's not as good as they thought it yeah. could be especially because it's also generally tends to be hyper literate people mm-hmm. who know what a good book looks like mm-hmm. and see that their book or their the 5,000 words they've written aren't as good as the books they love mm-hmm. and therefore are worthless. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that's very tricky and I think, you know, so many people say, sort of write that, get it out of your system, put it in a drawer, don't look at it for many yeah. years, crack on, do your next one yeah. or whatever. But I think no matter what you are trying to make in your life, be that um, a table or out of wood or a brick wall or a, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, a show, a book, a film, a movie, um, you go through that like circle, oops, 
or that like seven step process that like I think goes, um, this is an amazing idea. Oh, it's actually much harder than I thought. Oh, this is really bad. Oh, yeah. I'm really bad. Oh, this is yeah. the worst thing that's ever happened. Oh yeah. Oh, maybe this can be okay. This is quite hard, but it's going to be good. Oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. And, you and have... I, I think most people don't even get through the seven steps. Yeah. They get to like step four and they're like, time to abandon this yeah. and never speak of it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, you have to push through that bit that says, this is going to be the worst thing in the world yeah. in, before you can come out the other side. And it is such a cruel, such a, cruel such a cruelty that in order to make anything good, yeah. you have to go through that because, horrible because step. And essentially, like... um the essence of because like books take like you know a year and two years generally mm-hmm. um and y- to live with any idea for that long mm-hmm. will it will seem stupid because you've turned it over in your head so much and it mm-hmm. just seems like the most facile idiotic idea in the world mm-hmm. you're like even if you were writing about like genocide you'd be like oh god it's just like oh it's so stupid yeah <laughs> why would I mean? anyone want this thing from me and i think there that's are why better you... people who cares why would anyone yeah. want this book yeah why yeah even if the idea feels important like, yeah but why should i be why writing? should why me yeah. Yeah. yeah and um i think that's a trap that a lot of people fall into mm-hmm. um and i think it's also why um, i think everyone falls in the trap it's just only some people manage to climb out yeah. i think everybody falls in it yeah and you just have to keep plowing out a bit. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, not at all. Um, I think as well, that's why um, a lot of people, when they're picking their first project, mm-hmm. they pick the most serious idea they can think of. Mm-hmm. Because they think that if they... It's something our friend Tash says a lot. It's like, art about an important subject does not make important art. Mwah. Mwah. Tash Hodgson, everyone. Um, and like I, I remember the first time I ever tried to write a novel was um, I had written a short story and it was published in an online thing and uh, then so an agent got in touch with me and I was delighted and I was like oh I'm going to write something now I didn't have any ideas so I immediately like I started working on this novel idea and it was so embarrassing it was like the memories of an old woman during World War Two, and like all the terrible things that had happened to her at the war and all it was like it was so ham-fisted and mm-hmm. so like me just chucking dead bodies at a subject to try and make it more important mm-hmm, and therefore mm-hmm. make myself feel more important and like I had a friend recently who was contacted in a similar way that I was contacted um, by an editor asking oh you know we love your voice you know would you like to come in for a thing I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but like she says to me, she's like, okay, so I've um they've come, they've approached me, and she's like a really funny woman who's like known for her like her lightness of touch and everything. She's like, so I'm gonna go in. I think I'm gonna pitch them a book about homelessness. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, they've come to you because they think you're funny and effervescent and wonderful. And she was like, so what am I gonna do? Just like pitch them some sort of like idea about my life where I do this and this and this. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> like, yeah, I think because especially women. Because we're we're made to feel that like oh all women do is just write about who they bang and uh, mm-hmm. then they, they they call that art or whatever. There's this thing like oh I'm not going to be that. I'm going to be someone who writes mm-hmm. you know a, a, a prestigious great literature. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Based from a man's perspective, when he goes to Armenia and you know something weird yeah. happens, you know they try and um, go as far away from their own personal experience because they think anything that per- is personal isn't serious. I think I'm being super intense. No, you're not. I just really recognize exactly that trait in myself and in so many other people. The idea of like, I've got yeah. to step away from everything I am. Not, not even in a conscious way. It's not like, I must never bring my true self out. It's like, oh, I've been offered this opportunity and this yeah. platform. My platform must, I therefore must speak about the most serious things. Yeah. Like I must talk about these. But you're like, if you didn't go through them, 
they want your story to tell. So yeah. tell your own story. And if you, and you can't then, and if, then if your instinct is like, well, I don't have anything to say. It's like, yes, you do. You definitely of do. Of course you do. Every person in the whole world has an interesting story that is unique and, you know, that only happened to them because it did only happen to you. Or, or even like an experience that's, So, for example, my first book was set in the advertising world because I, it seemed very simple to me because I've worked in the advertising world for a long time and I was very aware of the the very specific foibles of that mm-hmm. universe. The story was totally fictional and it was about like a workplace affair that I never had. Um, but the fact that I had like experience, like five years of experience in this industry mm-hmm. that's very specific and full of like lots of weird human quirks of behavior and that I was able to relay that. I didn't think of that as a skill or like a... Uh, I think when we think of like, oh, bringing personal experiences or whatever, we think it's only important if that personal experience is having survived a war. Yeah. But like ha- having worked in a very specific industry is enough. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you can just take that little nugget of what you know about the world mm-hmm. and just run as far as you can with it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. I could talk to you all day about it. Yeah. Is there anything that you, any other like great, well, I'll start, I'll start a snippet that I, once read about Neil Gaiman who yeah. is the author and I was going to say illustrator but that's not correct at all so just author yes <laughs> Neil Gaiman the author um his uh, quote was when people point at where there can be edits in your work yeah. listen to them when yeah. they make suggestions you can ignore them yes that's very true I so think. if somebody points at something and is like we th- I thought it was weird and this again is like For any of your work in whatever yeah. capacity, you know, your spreadsheet, your presentation, your table you're building, whatever. If someone says, oh, this feels weird, this, you know, um, we don't believe it. We, it feels weird that she would go um, with him to the party. Yeah. If that is that you can be like, you can listen to that thing. If they then say, wouldn't it be more fun? Yes. If, um, if she went in a hot air balloon. Like that, yeah, that yeah. It, you can ignore the suggestion, but you do have to listen when someone says, it doesn't sit right with me that this thing, this felt weird. I And think so that's someone perfect is like, advice, actually. there's something about your table that does, that slightly, um, you know, yeah. is with the table. I, I am looking at a table, which is why it's the only point of reference currently <laughs> for me. Um, You know, you don't have to listen to when they say, what if there was like five legs instead of four? Like you can ignore that part, but yeah. you do have to listen when they say, oh, it does feel weird when you sit still, like the grain is weird, the the height is weird or whatever. Yeah. So you can, because yeah. those are, it is ultimately for somebody else to experience. And if they, if something doesn't sit right, there is probably, that yeah. is probably. If someone just says to you, like, I, I just don't really believe she would do that. Yeah. There's nothing you can, you can't fight that. Yeah. You can't be yeah. like, well, yes, you would, because obviously she said that whole thing with the dad. So clearly, and they're like, yeah, yeah I hear you. I just didn't believe it. It's like, there's nothing you can really. Nothing you can do about that. Yeah. If you didn't. Unless change it, you have to make. You make those yeah. changes. You have to, if that, if it's totally obvious to you why that, where they did that, why the character did that, you're like, well, you have to tell us that along the yeah. way you know and I think actually the editing experience is something that doesn't get talked about enough mm-hmm. in terms of uh, writing books and stuff um, and it's actually it's been a great comfort to me um, because I always assumed uh, before my book was picked up that editing was basically like spell check like glorified spell check yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah. like, here's a typo like, here's a comma oh yeah and you say that it takes like three hours to get to Dublin when it actually takes two hours and 15 or something mm-hmm. um, but I, my first book went through, I think, about 17 different versions. And, wow. Um, with the editor, yeah. And uh, so that was just like me pinging back this huge document, changing things. And like my editor was so unbelievably rigorous 
And obviously, that's a bit annoying. I mean, you just want to be done with the fucking thing because you've been working on it for fucking two years or whatever. But also, it's so freeing when you're writing a first draft of something because you have to remember anything you write in a first draft, there is abs- there's maybe a 20% chance it will even make it in the final book, which can feel like a real um, disappointing thing or like it's really... Um, not not, encur- not very encouraging if you feel like you're writing words that won't even make it to the final thing. But if you twist that and stuff, be like, ugh, this, th- these words don't even matter. It's not even yeah. going to make it to the final thing. I literally have to just like mulishly like fucking carry these words up this hill yes. uh, so we can get to the next plot points, we can get to the next chapter so that da 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 and like they don't have to be good. They just things just need to happen, and the plot just needs to move. Mm-hmm. And you can come back and just make them good later. Mm-hmm. Like as I said, at the, That's at, so wise. At, at the top of the podcast, like uh, I said that my second book, I threw out half of it, mm-hmm. and that was because so I I wrote the book. Um, I wrote it sort of in between Promising Women being finished and Promising Women coming out. Sent it to my editor, uh, and then I spent the summer promoting Promising Young Women. And then I came back to the draft six months later and I was like, oh, it's dreadful. It's just dreadful. And it was, well, there was huge swathes of it that didn't even really make sense. Like there was one bit, like this is a very realistic um, murder mystery set in rural Ireland. And for about three chapters, I implied that the protagonist could see the future. Can they? <laughs> no, they couldn't. It just felt like a fun thing to do in that moment. I was—I don't know. Maybe I was fucking high. I don't, but like the thing is, is like, like that. Most of it got thrown out and rewritten, mm-hmm. and that. And I don't see that as being a waste. I think that material needed to exist so the next layer could get onto it. Like, you know that that book, The Power, that Naomi Alderman wrote, yeah. and like one of the biggest books of the last few years. Um, that is set in like a very like a dystopian universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she threw out 100,000 words of that book because she was like, I spent 100,000 words explaining that world to myself, but I needed to throw it out because I don't need, the reader doesn't need to know, yes, and in this year, this is when this happened, and da 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 We we don't call them chairs, we call them squares because of this, because my legs are weird. Like, they don't need to know that. They just need to know that I'm comfortable in this world. Mm -hmm. So, like, throwing away material isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, I, I honestly, my kind of motto for writing has always been, like, use every part of the buffalo. You know? Yes. I remember specifically last summer, I went on holidays with my friend Jen and I felt really like guilty that I was spending so much time just lying in her parents' front garden, just like watching her mow the grass and not doing anything. And I felt really like, oh, I shouldn't be on holidays. I should be working. I should be writing my novel. Da, 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 da. Feeling really, really guilty that I wasn't working and not appreciating that things percolate when you're not working. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so what happened was um, she was mowing the grass and all because the grass hadn't been mown in so long, all these insects started coming out and started biting her and like all these big red welts were happening on her skin and she was reacting really quickly and then they started attacking me and it was suddenly this like really beautiful holiday scene became like apocalyptic and that scene is in my second novel with other characters, with different characters, obviously. And mm-hmm. it has a different significance. But like, if I wasn't chilling out doing yeah. nothing, that would never have happened. It would, like, everything counts. Everything that happens to you counts in some way. Mm-hmm. Not working is sometimes as important as working, you know? Yes. The most valuable lesson yeah. of all. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think always that like, if you're sat at your desk um, waiting for inspiration, it's never going to come. You have to yeah. take yourself out and walk it off and go yeah. and like find it like, I don't, from somewhere I else. I mean, you um, write TV shows and stuff. Like, I, I find that I can't really s- write fiction for more than three hours a day. After that, it just becomes crap. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is just like walking around, 
and answering emails. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like how how much made up stuff can you make up a day? Yeah, is that an actual question? Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, n- none. V- well, that's the thing. It's like, like a couple of hours, maybe. Well, I don't really sit. Well, also, firstly, I actually have not written any TV shows, but like I, um, I mean, you have. I have. Well, you. I haven't. I haven't. Not TV um, shows that are currently on air, but you've written many scripts. I have written many scripts. I think. Uh, no, I don't work for that. I mean, I'm always sort of thinking, and I run a lot, and I like yeah. walk, and I wrote both my Edinburgh shows on the move. So I wrote them both. When obviously I wasn't. I, yeah. I think the word like there's a difference between like writing and typing. And yeah. I wrote them on the walk between the train station and the my parents' house. And yeah. every time I was walking, it takes 45 minutes through a field. And that's sort of where I, I talked it out loud. And that's yeah. pretty much where I wrote all my stuff. And so very little happens. And then I would get home and like, yeah, or yeah, I would yeah. I would like just put my voice memos on and I would walk and talk and record myself. Um, and most of it was not nonsense and that's unusable. great. But that, that is as much as writing as sitting down is. Yeah, exactly. Writing. And then and so that's where I did. Yeah, so I do a lot of my thinking on the on the hoof. Yeah, <laughs> on the. Um, we've got to come to the end, but I oh, truly don't wish to. Um, yeah. Luckily, we can hang out next week. Yay! Um, oh, this has been such a joy. Um, my last thing is about Game of Thrones um, and about you saying about building the world and Naomi throwing out Naomi, of course, our pal. Yeah, um, Naomi <laughs> throwing out a hundred thousand words once she had understood the world fully herself. Mm-hmm. I think one of the great um, reasons that Game of Thrones has become so popular and was even a popular books yeah. before even the television arrived is that that world is fully formed like oh, it yeah. absolutely exists like you understand taxation you understand uh, yeah. where the money's coming from you understand who cleans the streets you know um why people are cross with each other you understand uh, like everything it's like you so understand good. what they do for entertainment you understand what board games exist you know what yeah. people do for sport you know what they do for fun like you know their folk songs their religions yeah. the differences with like within their religion yeah the stuff. differences within, within the difference within religion and so that information was not probably exists i think you can buy the like um you know the companion books yeah, sure, that have sure. all that she says as though she doesn't own them all um <laughs> but like that that information the book does not begin with um you know a sort of explanation about religion in this world it doesn't yeah. explain it to you it like allows it to like filter in yeah, yeah. and give you just enough people piecemeal. don't want to read a wikipedia page no one wants world. to read a wikipedia page yeah. like it, well do they <laughs> i mean i don't know um but like it doesn't just sit down and explain the thing to you it allows it to filter out but because it fully exists so i think that is you know george our friend George obviously <laughs> did his homework. You know, he built that world before he started yeah. writing it. He knew the answers. And so also, when someone he had built dozens of worlds before that. Before like, that, yeah. He wrote so many books before Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes it's like it's never been gonna be your first work. You just gotta sort of crack on and and yeah. and you have to know those answers. You can't just sort of sit you he, George probably just saw like somebody with their tit out and a dragon or whatever. <laughs> and it's like that'll be fun. He but, probably saw one of those like black t shirts that has like a naked lady with a sword and a wolf um, howling at the moon. Yeah, and he was like, that's like that. It. That's that, it. That's what people want. <laughs> and and he was right, they did, but what they needed more than that, and the reason that so many fantasies have fallen in his wake is that they there was not that effort to be like how does this world exist yeah and i think it's the same with like i think it's true like the reason why harry potter will remain like the defining fantasy thing mm-hmm. of this generation i think yes because 
we understand that world so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I don't, I don't think anyone individually cares about Harry, Ron or Hermione. No, really. truly. We they could are ciphers. We could be gone. They could be cut. Gone. But we care about Diagonally and like yeah. Quidditch and House Points. And, and we stuff. believe everything there. Like we, this is how the world works. This is who runs yeah. the bank. Like this is how you go to yeah. work. Like we oh, know it. So good. That's the thing, like reading those books allowed us not just to follow Harry, who in my mind, is a dickhead and I've said it I've said, said it. it she said it I've said it yeah. um, the boy's got serious PTSD but he's a dickhead but there's no therapy in the wizarding there's world there's no therapy in the wizarding world and there <laughs> does need to be um, <laughs> they uh, like we read those books so we ourselves could run around Hogwarts and get yeah. to explore all the stuff like that's what we wanted from that and that's because it exists um, so my point is, guys, I truly believe in you. There's no reason you can't yeah. write this generation's Harry Potter, gr- Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, this whatever. generation's great work of literature. I truly believe lies inside you. Yeah, and I honestly think if I, I've done it. Like I and I was, and she's a moron, I'm a moron. You know, <laughs> you're not. You're so wonderful. Thank you. Also, you're- my last bit of, bit of advice is. Um, don't go from zero to novel. Don't no. go from like, okay, I was quite good at English in school. Now I'm going to dedicate every waking moment of my spare time mm. to writing a novel. Start off with a few short stories. Mm-hmm. Start off with a few essays. Mm-hmm. Don't don't punish yourself. Don't feel bad for not doing something. Do, like make sure you really want to do this before you do it. You know, because yeah. yes. it, it it can be very lonely and hard, and you have to really like it. That's my parting thought. Yes, but with that in mind. If you think it's for you, I, I believe in you. It's going to be a hard slog and there'll be moments when you think this is the worst idea I've ever had. Yeah. But I think if you think there's a story in there, don't let yourself get to the end of your days and think, I could have done it. Be like, yeah. just do it. Do it. Get it out of you. Yeah. Um. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. This has been truly a... Always a pleasure. Never always a, a pleasure. Never yeah. a chore. Um, <laughs> Caroline is at Caroline O'Donoghue on Twitter. No, I'm at Zaraline on Twitter. What? Oh, right. Do you know anything about me? No. <laughs> like CZ? CZ, A-R-O-L-I-N-E, yeah. Okay, so Caroline. it's the word Caroline, but like she's the czar. Yeah, but Russian royalty. C-Z-A-R. And no one else had that? No, it's, I was on you must Twitter have in like 2008. Yeah, 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 she so. got in early. She's a real, uh, she's before our time. <laughs> uh, same on Instagram. Uh, I'm Zara online on Instagram. Oh, there's someone, no time for this. There's no time. There. I'm can't. very sorry. Zara line Twitter. Zara online on Instagram. I have a book called Promising Young Women. I have a podcast called Sentimental Garbage. Listen to them all. Thank you. Thank you much. You did such a better job of selling yourself than I did wandering through and misspelling your name. Um, thank you so so much for joining us. Um, the Twitter handle is uh, at Nobody Panic Podcast and the at Nobody Panic Pod. Sorry, and the Gmail is nobodypanicpodcast at gmail.com and thank you so so much for hanging out with us and making it to the end Um, and we will see you um, next week Um, okay bye bye thank you bye Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. <laughs> 